0: suppose you have to prove that the material is at least as good or possibly superior to the material being supplied. So I suppose it all has to go through that certification. You really need the, the consumer to see the opportunities of using a green steel rather than timber and having a low carbon emission footprint building.
1: Fiora. I'm Troy, here as CEO and welcome to Stirring the Pot. Thanks for connecting. If you're new, here's what you can expect. We're going to be talking the tough stuff, the things that keep us metalheads up at night. There are many challenges facing our industry and equally many opinions on how we should tackle them. Stirring the Pot provides a facilitated forum to discuss and challenge these viewpoints. So let's get to the nuts and bolts of it. Today we are joined by Jill Cooper, a Materials and Transition Engineer and Director of Advanced Materials. Jill has over 35 years experience in steelmaking, smelting, kilns, reformers and refactory lined product units and has a particular interest in the new low carbon economy. Jill, can you tell us a little bit about your views on a low carbon economy and the role of steel decarbonisation in it?
0: So. With regard to a low carbon economy, uh, we need to create an economy which creates jobs and is a production economy and a producing economy that is low emissions. And at the moment we have an economy which is very much um, still a high emitter and we have been relying on offsets to accommodate those emissions. And one of the results of that has been that we have a lot of Carbon farms. So we have a lot of pine forests being planted that are purely for sequestering carbon and they don't actually have any other purpose than sequestering carbon. So they're not even suitable for logging because the trees are planted really close together. Um, they are just put there and left and they don't really create jobs for anyone and they don't really create value for anyone. And this this is why we need to create an economy for New Zealand which is all about um, low emissions jobs and production and communities.
1: Um, What would an ideal domestic steel industry look like and what needs to happen for New Zealand to get there do you think?
0: So um, an ideal domestic steel industry is one which all the uh, steel is created here and created using low emissions technologies. At the moment we had a production of 650,000 tonnes and that is basically enough for the um, domestic economy but there is problems in maintaining a supply and it certainly is not a low emissions supply. So if people start wanting to measure the carbon footprint of the buildings that they're creating then and using materials uh, that would reduce their emissions footprints, then possibly steel isn't one of the materials that they would naturally go for.
1: And what do you think needs to happen in order for New Zealand to improve its carbon performance in terms of steel production?
0: Well, we would need a complete pivot to a different production method. And this is what happens in Sweden. If I can refer to um, Swedish. A conglomerate composed of the um, mining company, the government energy company, and the steel making company invested an awful lot of money into creating uh, low emission steel using hydrogen. And that is an enormous pivot, an enormous investment, um, and with an extremely long term vision. But they also have access to markets that in car manufacturers and so forth who are you prepared to pay more for an, a low emission steel so in a way we need to find customers that um, are willing to go on the journey with us so if that makes sense
1: so yeah it definitely steel, makes sense yeah
0: for us for, for a steel Company for a steel maker, the investment required and the extra cost required is for creating lower emission steel is is substantial, and we can't expect them to bear that cost if consumers aren't willing to pay those costs. But those those extra costs can be spread over consumers so that uh, it makes it worthwhile. Um, One example I'll give you is that for a car, if um, a car manufacturer was to use green steel and in their their cars, the projected extra cost of that would be the same as adding two USB ports. So for an individual car, the cost isn't that great. So in some way, because we, we don't make steel for cars, we make steel for construction, some way we need to be able to spread that extra cost over the construction industry, which means that construction industry needs standards to meet, like um, carbon emission standards. And then then it will make sense for the steel industry to uh, look to make green steel because it's, it's not a trivial, I mean, it's one of the, the biggest things you could do. You need to make a completely new steel mill, um, completely different inputs the, the only inputs are the same are the iron sand for New Zealand um, and the, the whole process even the steel making process would be substantially different and require substantially different materials and techniques so it's no small feat
1: so I, I think it is interesting around that SSAB project because um, they are saying, even though they have fast-tracked some of their production for the automotive applications and sped up some of their targets, that they still won't be able to produce for the mass steel market, um, the green steel, until 2040. Um so they they have recognized that there's significant capital investment and you you're absolutely right that the market does need to accept that they if they want to have a green alternative they need to be able to pay an additional amount to cover the cost for that or there needs to be significant government support to do it which there currently isn't um but i i think that what is interesting for me is that actually um, we know that for at least multi-storey construction, steel is significantly more affordable than mass timber construction. Um, and yet there is so much uh, discussion around the use of mass timber and not the use of uh, green steel um, as an alternative. And at least for here is carbon offsetting program, which we recognise, as you say, is not ideal, that ideally you would want to remove the carbon at the production stage, but this is next best alternative in the interim. Um, that would add about 10% to the cost of steel, um, but that steel uh, is much more affordable in mass construction than a timber alternative and that doesn't seem to be something that the market talks about or is willing to um, acknowledge would be something that probably we should actually look at. Um, what? What do you think are the advanced material and process opportunities that exist to facilitate uh, the adoption of green steel technologies?
0: Well, if, if we look at the technology that's specifically available to New Zealand, we have a, a, non, uh, a great resource in the titanium magnetite iron sands. And the real advantage of those is that they uh, don't need to be Pre pelletized because they're quite able to be handled as a sand. So, an iron oxide is very uh, dusty and it's difficult to handle. Um, with iron sand, it can be reduced in a uh, fluidized bed and that gives it a very um, short residence time. So, it can be created, um, it can you can use it to create a, a metallized iron in about half an hour, and that would be compared to hours and hours in a shaft furnace, which would be the methods that other people are looking at. So, process wise, we had we could have a great advantage here in New Zealand, and but who would. Um, who would advance that is not clear. So Mm -hmm. who would take that opportunity and really run with it is is not clear in New Zealand because, um, you know, New Zealand Steel is owned by Blue Scope Steel and its focus is not really on New Zealand. It's more of a, a New Zealand problem or opportunity. So I've sort of seen more of a local interest taking that forward. Mm
1: -hmm. Yeah. Um, And I think maybe Blue Scope are um, looking at it as a potential opportunity, at least investing um, with some recent announcements, investing into Chris Bumby's work. Um, Mm -hmm. What do you think are the technical challenges that need to be overcome? Because you mentioned it's not trivial um, research, Um, that the challenges are fairly significant from a science and metallurgy perspective can you overview what those are
0: well metallurgically the uh, issue is that we have traditionally relied on carbon or excess carbon being in the in the steel and using that along with fluxes to basically control the chemistry of the steel And so if you take away that carbon and you're actually just adding in minimal quantities, then you have to start all over again with the metallurgy and and fluxing abilities. So that would be a problem with containment. So a lot of materials that are used to contain steel during the steelmaking process are high in carbon. Um, They wouldn't really work if you have a low carbon steel. so, those are all issues that have to be solved um, from iron making to steel making because you're starting off with a completely different chemistry in terms of impurities and, and so forth.
1: And in, in, you mentioned the market issues. What are some of the other non technical challenges that would need to be overcome, in your view?
0: As far as construction industries, um, well, first of all, I suppose you have to prove that the material is at least as good or possibly superior to the material being supplied. So I suppose it all has to go through that certification. Um, it also, uh, well, as you say, we really need the, the consumer to see the um, opportunities of using a green steel rather than timber and having a low carbon emission footprint building, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm.
1: So what do you see as some of the opportunities that are not being adequately pursued?
0: Well, I don't think we are adequately pursuing Chris Bumby's process because um, it has been around for about 10 years. and it would need more than a small pilot plant to really progress it. So, I mean, there's, Loose Scope Steel has been involved with these projects before, and it's it can be a good thing, but it also can be a bad thing to be aligned to a steel mill because steel mills are always thinking about their day-to-day operation and usually trying to catch up and so they can be very difficult places to work, particularly if you're not uh, on the production line, you know, you're not an a, um, essential part of the steelmaking process. You can be hampered in your ability to make progress and get things done. So we need a, a quite a large commitment, like a long-term equip commitment to get the process sorted. And and a more of a, a government commitment as well, because you know, Blue Scope Steel's commitment can only be as far as it's um, profitable to it, you know. So I've been involved in several projects involved with um, New Zealand Steel and companies like Carbonscape and Lanzatech and you they know, are being constrained by the limitations of the the steel plant. Mm
1: -hmm. In terms of a just transition to a low carbon economy, what would that look like for New Zealand? And what do you see as the role of government in supporting that?
0: Well, I think we've seen from Europe that the transition to a low carbon economy absolutely requires commitment from the government in terms of funding and not just funding for things like converting... Um, school heating and so forth. It requires commitment to um, initiatives like Glanzotech and like Carbonscape because, you know, the, the pull for those companies to go overseas is very large. And so without that commitment from the government or And I know it's public money, but, you know, the idea is to create um, careers and meaningful jobs to New Zealanders. And if we give, you know, $40 million to TY Point to keep jobs there, um, and we have no guarantee that they're going to stay there after 10 years, we'd be better putting the money to an initiative such as, as that which will be there in 10 years because it is a forward facing it's a future focused industry so it will it will require government funding i mean i don't see around way around that but it should be in terms of joint partnerships and the the model that hybrid have with the power company and the mining company and and the steel maker that's that's the ideal model
1: hmm. which we seem to be seeing a bit more of happening in australia with recent announcements between rio tinto and blue scope and new south wales government um it's i think what seems to be different in new zealand is that there doesn't seem to be the same love for the manufacturing industry in new zealand as there is in australia and i find it frustrating that we talk about government programs to help reduce carbon emissions. And I think definitely we need to look at all emissions, but we should also look at where the biggest bang for buck for government investment could come from in investing in technologies and support to reduce those carbon emissions. So I definitely think that we need more government support to help the metals industry to transition um, because yeah. of the um, the economic impact that those in that that industry does have on manufacturing sector in New Zealand but also because if that if they can solve that challenge um and address it the carbon benefit is is enormous in terms of New Zealand's relative outputs
0: it's ongoing as well you know that's something that you've got in the back and you don't need to worry about it again you know it's going to continue and it's going to be valuable um, and the other, the other thing about manufacturing, which people don't really recognise, is, is places like New Zealand Steel. They actually keep a whole lot of other manufacturers uh, going because they have a workforce which is based around there. But there's also like contract workforce, and they go out and carry out shutdowns and methanex and balance and and the the cement plant and everything else. And they wouldn't be there if New Zealand Steel wasn't there. And so the the interaction between um, New Zealand Steel and and other services around the company, even like crematoriums, we wouldn't have a, ability to service crematoriums without um, the sort of basis of the workforce that's in New Zealand Steel that it's that is supported by New Zealand Steel. You know, the, the effects are everywhere if you look for them.
1: Last question I have for you, Jill, is uh, what challenge would you put out to the industry to improve?
0: Uh, I, I think it's pretty hard to ask industry to um, improve in this area in New Zealand because they really are um, fighting an uphill battle with mm. supply and 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 labor and so forth so you know the the challenge go is to the the masters over the ditch really (laughs) and and that could be australian banks or it could be the australian owners of companies um that but to look look to our future in New Zealand, and you know we have this great uh, renewable energy resource that is um, is fairly unique, and we are able to do an awful lot with that. and we're sort of we are neglecting the opportunities to to do anything with that as far as manufacturing. And you're right, you know there is does seem to be a lack of love for manufacturing. And the, the, the problem with that is when times are good and you can get whatever you like from China, people will just buy stuff from China and, and, they, and they don't support the local manufacturing. And then when we have supply chain issues like we have now and people are having to go back to New Zealand Steel and New Zealand Steel hasn't had the investment to upgrade its processes so that it can deliver reliably. So, you know, it's it's chasing its tail in that regard. And, you know, it needs to be supported by, needs to be like a team effort, I think. So what I would say to any industries is to look for the um, natural advantages and look at how our, you know, our economy is growing. It's still growing. We can expect it to be continue to to on that line, and that the investment should be, yeah, looking at this way rather than just building, um, you know, um, housing and and so forth, and not looking at the manufacturing behind that.
1: Uh, so the one thing that we did miss from earlier, Jill, was that um, we were going to circle back to the low. Carbon economy um, and some of your ideas on steel decarbonisation. There, um, what were some of those those um, items that you wanted to raise?
0: Well, I think we, we've always thought of New Zealand as being a a very high renewable, renewably produced electricity country, and that's true compared to other places. Um, but when we're going to electrify a lot of our transport and if we look at um, producing hydrogen and there's, you know, we have a great opportunity to produce a lot of hydrogen. We think about where the best uh, use for that is and, you know, top of Mm -hmm. the list would be ammonia and second on the list would be steelmaking. And the, the reason for that is that, um, steelmaking using hydrogen is actually not that new and it's now being proven. So we have technologies that are really close to what we would need for a completely low emission steelmaking. And it really doesn't take that much to um, pivot steelmaking to low emissions, as long as we put in the effort to construct the right plants and there's enormous an um Impetus to do that because global globally steelmaking making is like the third largest emitter. It, it's it emits more than any other country, apart from the U.S. and China. So it, it's an it's an enormous source of carbon emissions. And if you look at the emissions from mining the coal for, coking, then there's an enormous amount of emissions from there as well. So There's 12 million tonnes of methane leaked from mining, poking coal, which converts to 1 billion tonnes of carbon emissions. So the drive to reduce carbon from steelmaking is enormous. There's enormous benefits to be had. And in New Zealand, we have both the uh, the electricity, so we have the ability to make hydrogen and we have an, an a fantastic source of iron that is eminently suitable for the process. So I think we have a great opportunity to make a big dent in carbon emissions, even globally, by pursuing this. But it would have to be a large conglomerate um, that would invest in this. So. Yes,
1: exactly. And it and it does need um, that government awareness around prioritising where it, it spends its assistance packages for industry to decarbonise, I think. I am concerned that there will be investment in widespread reductions in carbon that don't necessarily lead to the emissions reductions that... Um, you may get from investing in targeted industries or, in fact, individual manufacturers.
0: Yeah, so if we look at just comparing this to agricultural emissions, so agricultural emissions, we're looking at reducing it by, you know, a few percent, and a few percent year on year. But we could reduce carbon emissions from steelmaking by an awful large, you know, by 80, 90 percent with one hit. And so that's enormous impetus to do that. And, you know, the implications of that or the effects of that would be felt globally, it wouldn't be just felt in New Zealand. Well, that would be my hope anyway, that um, that this could be really something that we could pursue and we would be able to do this better than other countries, maybe like Australia, because our ore is, is more suitable for this type of process. So in a way, it's like you need to to put up your hand and say to people who are in this business, "Hey, look at our, or you know, look look at our magnetite sands. We can use processes that are not suitable for um, hematite. You know, the the opportunities uh, are enormous, but we need to have the right people and the right companies involved."
1: Yep. Yep. And that government support as well, as yeah. well as the policy
0: well, it would support be, in it the market It would be sort support. of to the government to, to make the approach, I think, uh, and make it clear that we're really keen on this investment and there won't be any roadblocks. You know, we have Ta Roa Sands. It's a, a iwi-based mining operation. Um, at the moment, it's sending its product to China. It would be awesome if we could use that and turn it into steel here.
1: This was certainly an interesting conversation today, which reminds us that turning every business into an environmental industry involves applying new principles. We need to make more with less, to design out waste, and to decarbonise our energy supply. Food for thoughts till we see you next time. So hit subscribe and if you liked what you heard today, please like, review or share with any metalheads you know. Let's spread the word. If you liked what you heard today, you may like to read, here's steel recycling report or understand our sustainability initiatives more broadly. You can find more details in the show notes.